0: exercising the mind as if you didn't have ai tools for example so mm-hmm. natural gyms for the natural mind this is a new business i'm launching this idea right now
1: hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast it's great to be back home And um, the reason I say that is because I wasn't at home. I was out of Bangalore for a week. I went to visit my sister in Singapore. And again, just like the New York trip, I have visited Singapore. But of course, more than New York, there's been, um, you know, a combination of work and also visiting family. But this time it was just purely visiting family. And it's strange, you know, I always found Singapore more to be a clinical Kind of controlled environment where it's all just running perfectly smoothly, and I found it a bit claustrophobic and too well run. But this time I went back, and it's the first time I'm going as a father. And man, I'll be honest with you, I was like, "Yeah, this is good. I like this because you know it's it's it it just puts a lot of ease when you think of all the various things that are going crazy with um, you know the schools." the, the, the the lack of safety. And I was just like, this is perfect. And I know now, you know, from this side of the fence, why a lot of people choose to go there. It's, um, it's lovely if you can afford it, of course, because again, if you can't afford it, then you're pretty fucked. Um, So yeah, there's some new, new um, realizations that I experienced, but it's somehow strange when you go to a country like that, and you come back, and I'm not just saying India because I was not isolated in any way, but from the reality of what's going on, because I mean, think about it. I spoke about the monkeys at the G20, right? And literally a week after Trudeau makes all these allegations. And I was like thinking, man, clearly the monkeys weren't the distraction or maybe the monkeys were a ploy to distract Trudeau. But it, you know, as you as you guys know on the podcast, I'm not politically motivated or make political uh, observations or analysis about things that are going on geopolitically or even even for that matter within India but and you know i'm not first to say you know i'm the most patriotic son of a gun um i live here i love the people who i'm with over here and i think there's a general sentiment of respect for many people in this country but um i think the hypocrisy really sort of uh, i wouldn't say blinded me or shocked me but it was quite blatant right it's it's almost like um there's there's this sense of trying to get attention when you have nothing really going for yourself because you know mass graves of indigenous children are found and then there are certain other things which i'm not really sure about but you know if you are reading the news you're sure whether which side of the you know fence you're on whether you're going to believe everything that you hear in the media or you believe everything coming from the indian media or from the canadian media but fuck all of that it's just that um It's also kind of kind of amazing that we're sitting as India as a country at this point where we're able to kind of hold our own and not just being pushed into a corner by other countries. Typically, if it was like even one step out of line, then everyone's attacking um, a developing slash underdeveloped country and you're like, shut your mouth, do what you're told. But now it's almost like, yeah, the gloves have come off. But at the same time, it's not one-sided. There is a pretty firm... Uh, footing that India's got. And I find that pretty amazing. And I think it's a pretty encouraging sign. Of course, we should all not just be unnecessarily proud of proud of it, but I think it's something we can um, you know, um salute towards the progress that we've made as a country. But here's another problem. Uh, if if you're kind of just caught up in this like, oh we're the greatest country, that's again going to lead to our downfall. But if we can kind of say, you know, we have collectively or at least in some way, been led in the right direction by various people, various groups, various things. And again, I'm not getting political, I'm not getting party centric. It's, it's nice, it's nice not to be bullied. It's nice not to be pushed into a corner and shat on by countries that did that in the past. And now it's like, hey, there is scope for further investigation, There's scope for further conversation. It's not just one sided, there is um I wouldn't say debate, but there is back and forth, which was not the case for countries like India in the past, like countries in the subcontinent usually were um and still in certain cases like Pakistan or Sri Lanka, they were like, shut your mouth and do what you're told, or your aid's going to be withdrawn, and you know what they had to do what they're doing, or they go down the other route where they get funding from you know illegitimate or illegal or shady or dubious sources, and then again, the can of worms worms opens up. But it's nice to, to kind of be a part of a movement or be in a country which is heading towards a movement where there is some strength, there is some footing. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's ethical. I don't know if it's moral. I don't know the truth. Again, who does, right? But from a very broad perspective of observing how people interact just from one-on-one or nationwide, it's like, hey, we're not being pushed over. And that's pretty nice. But while that's happening, you know, it's, I don't know, man, you know, sometimes it's just best not read the news, you know, because um, it's upsetting. It's upsetting to hear about the, 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 the levels of depravity that human beings are capable of, right? Like from committing genocide, which is extreme levels of mass murder to, you know, this nurse who did this shit to, to, to babies in, in her care at the hospital somewhere in the UK, Um to this mother who did some shit to her kids. And then this man who was arrested and he's convicted of hurting something like 39 dogs or sexually abusing them. I'm like, what the fuck are we made of? Like, like, I don't know, you know, like sometimes you just don't think we deserve any of this because uh, leave the large policy aside. Climate change can we survive this planet, but just how fucked up are we dude? Like the, the levels of depravity just shock me sometimes it's, it's sometimes like, how low or high have we raised the bar of being fucked up that we have to keep reinventing the levels and the attempts we create, or we uh, we 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 go to to kind of even shock ourselves. And this is, is crazy. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to be an animal lover for that matter. It's just any kind of common sense of humanity or dignity to just understand that this is sick. And this guy was arrested. Apparently, he's, he, and this was that he was a, a researcher or scientist, and, um, he was, I think, specializing or studying crocodiles. But he, and it said in the article, he, while he, he had an affinity to dogs, he didn't mess around with crocodiles. Fuck yeah, which idiot. First of all, dogs are bad enough, right? Not bad enough, but it's sick enough. But, yeah, I I wish it was the other way around, right? I wish he studied dogs, but he fucked around with crocodiles because that wouldn't last more than one crocodile, maybe even half. So it's just, anyway, I don't have a thought observation. I think I do just wanted to establish how fucked up it is. Uh, And this is not limited to one race or one group or men or women. It's sickness across the board. And it's, it's a pandemic of sickness and the sickness manifests in different ways. It's you know, self abuse. It's abuse in uh, abusing of your power to, to to oppress various kinds of groups, hurt different kinds of groups, and whether it's with missiles or with with your with your own missile, it's um it's clearly a, a, a reflection of the sickness that is so entrenched in the human experience. And um, I think you know from a very Again, you know, I, 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 I'm I, not going down like a psychological analysis of this, but just if you take a step back, clearly, if people have to, you know, go to such lengths to either feel less hurt or distract themselves or feel pleasure or escape from the chaos, that's their own pain to do such things, whether it's hurt children, whether it's, um, you know, I mean, if you think about it, drugs are the best situation, right? Because just doing it yourself, fuck it. Or, to go to hurting animals, or to you know buggering popes, whatever you do, it clearly shows that there's there's a bigger problem here than just addressing climate change or or what we eat or how much to eat or longevity or all these things or electric cars or because clearly there's a sickness within the people. And however good you give it to them. I was looking at Singapore, right? They have this bridge, uh, this tunnel under the water, which is 15 kilometers or how many kilometers? And and then you compare it to India. People are like, wow, in India, we already had this. I don't think it would matter, you know, because we can get the best engineers. We can put the most amazing plans in place, get the best funding and make these things happen. But do the people care about it? Because y- you can build the most gorgeous infrastructural rail system or road system. But if people don't have a sense of respect for where they live and what's been given to them in any country in any situation then it's going to be fucked up and that's clearly what's happening now we don't value what we have we don't value where we live we are just kind of so entrenched in our own quote-unquote hurt or we're trying to escape from some kind of reality which we don't want to be in or we want to distract ourselves from the 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 idea of who we are and we don't want to work on that and as a result it 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 manifests in all these various kinds of symptoms of sickness which is abuse self abuse hurt addiction and you know fucking dogs it's crazy man anyway um just thought I'd refresh my 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 myself after this holiday with reality and what it brings in all its array of vastness and sickness and fucked upness And hope you're having a good week on that note. (laughs) Anyhow, let me um, stop the reality check, but let's talk about something which is the other side of humanity, which is our potential to create, the potential to bring out beauty from the chaos and I wouldn't say order from the madness, but bring out the unique potential that all of us have within us. And to do that, I've got today's guest, He is a professor at the University of Bologna, and he's the founder of the Marconi Institute of Creativity. I've got Giovanni Corazza. And guys, I'll be honest with you, I love all the conversations I have, but some of them stick out more than others for personal reasons, right? Because I am very keen about the idea of creating, right? Now, from a stand-up comedian's point of view, or from any kind of consumer of creativity's point of view it's interesting to know what separates separates us you know we say intelligence makes us different from animals or empathy or the ability to remember and make memories valuable but this idea to create is such a unique human experience in some way so or is it right or is it we don't know so today's conversation is is, it's informative it's interesting and i i don't use the word often but it was inspirational talking to Giovanni about the things that we did because we spoke about what is the, the the thing that we have within us in our brain cognitively that allows us to create uh what gives us this potential to to kind of experience the world around us immerse ourselves in it take from it and put out something that we find a personal expression of our creativity what makes creativity unique like how do we as individuals manifest that creativity do we do it alone do we come together as human beings as a group to do it and at large in the universe in the in the, at the in the world around us is there a sense of creative a creative force that drives um, the world as it drive um, all this chaos into some kind of beautiful structure which is not ordered but what is the, the situation? What are the circumstances that cater or allow us to be creative? Is it comfort? Is it discomfort? Is it adversity? So there's so much um, that I had to ask Giovanno and um, it was, it was absolutely fantastic, you know, because I really um, appreciated a lot of the things he said. There was a lot I didn't know, which he educated me on. And, I'm sure if you're a human being, you like to think about being creative, to look at yourself as a creative person. And I think it's not one group of people who are creative. I think all of us have it within us. It's just that some of us don't know how to express it. And some of us are told that we don't need to express it. But I personally believe that all of us need to understand the creative side of ourselves and what helps that come out. And I think that will go a long way in making the future of our society a place which is a lot more respective, appreciative, and I think um, will help us go forward and not be prey to the sickness that we see um, taking over. So I I really, really think you'll enjoy this episode. And Giovanni, if you're listening, thank you so much for joining me. Um, It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, till next week you know, enjoy this episode. I'll come back with another one next week. Till then, goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. (music) Lovely to have you on the podcast, Giovanni. Really, really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. I'm so thrilled to talk to someone who's able to understand and explain and explore the world of creativity. So before I delve into the things that you work on, I would like your opinion on what you consider as human creativity.
0: Okay, let's say that all living species have culture, not Mm -hmm. only humans, Mm -hmm. but we are the ones for which culture grows exponentially. And the reason why it grows exponentially, not due to the new technologies, but for uh, ever it's been growing exponentially since the start, is because we generate ideas, we transform those ideas into reality, then we communicate those ideas, we memorize, we learn, and from there we move on. Mm-hmm. So every one of us is uh, sitting on 160,000 years of evolution of Homo sapiens. And we're using all of that knowledge to generate new ideas. And so our culture keeps growing at a very, very fast uh, rate. So creativity is really the means through which our culture grows.
1: Right. I'll just give you an example of why I asked that question. You know, because sometimes when I was... Uh, actively doing stand-up and doing shows and talking to other comedians, you hear things like there are only so many ideas when it comes to premises, when it comes to jokes. But it's the individual who interprets that in a different way and brings his or her creative force into that idea that makes it different and unique. Uh, So if you look at that as an example, with all the years of creation that we've had in various forms from fine art to uh, spoken word to innovation to inventions to innovation do we have the potential as a culture collective group in 2023 to do something absolutely unique and new or are we already at a place where we can only fine-tune what we've already created
0: yeah, this is a very very interesting question because it also refers to what we're doing in scientific research can we mm-hmm. still have paradigm shifts or we're just uh, producing very small increments with respect to the past. So this question has been there actually forever. We normally alternate periods of so-called normal science. We go after what Thomas Kuhn defined them, and then paradigm shifts where everything changes. As -hmm. a matter of fact, we might be living a paradigm shift right now as of 2023 due to the rise explosive rise of generative ai but maybe we want to talk about that later but let's say that uh, it's an illusion that everything has been discovered everything has been invented we always live under that illusion but there is much more an indefinite amount of ideas jokes Mm -hmm. materials that have not been explored yet there's much more which is unknown with respect to what is known so i have Mm -hmm. complete trust that there is a lot of room for a future exploration of our creative minds. But it's a very interesting thing that you put in the word potential, because when we define in a scientific way creativity, uh, in a dynamic definition, we say that creativity requires potential originality and potential effectiveness. You might not find it, so it's a potential. You search But when you search into an unexplored land, you don't know what you're going to find. So you have a potential for originality. Sometimes you find it, sometimes you don't. When you don't find it or you find it and people don't recognize that, we say that you are in a state of so-called creative inconclusiveness. The process Mm -hmm. is not over. It's not concluded. But you have not achieved any success. And therefore, there is frustration. So creativity... Is a process that involves many, many different emotions and uh, you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready for uh, resisting to the, those periods of time in which you're trying to find something and you still don't find it or the people around you don't recognize what you have achieved. We call these periods of uh, creative inconclusiveness very, and they are very, very important in terms of the story of the great minds. If you look at the history of the arts, science, technology, the great minds that produced those paradigm shifts, they have one thing in common. They all went through obstacles. They all went through frustration. They were not recognized at first. And then during their life or sometimes after their life, their ideas finally became recognized. So it's a very, very dynamic process.
1: Which is so amazing, right? Because you could have the most Creative idea in your mind, according to you, but there's no market for it, and it's so encouraging to hear that we still have unlimited potential of discovering new creative um outlets or more I mean, creative ideas. But yeah, you know, you, you you hear of of course, I think when you mentioned it, you know the name Van Gogh uh, comes to mind when you know posthumously he was uh, appreciated, and he still is appreciated, and and not given his due when he was alive which is you know unfortunate but when you convert when you apply that to a scenario like today with the internet as a medium for creative expression um, and the creativity is not just received or recognized by an individual or a group of individuals but it's also manipulated in some way by the technology driving that platform say the youtube algorithm or the 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 the, the, the software or the the back end team on instagram um, it feels i mean correct me if i'm wrong but it feels like there's no a genuine connection between the creator and the receive uh, re- rece- the person receiving the creation but there is a certain narrative or a certain creative threshold being pushed by big tech companies is that um, an accurate observation or is that uh, something which i'm just imagining
0: <laughs> no this is another very interesting point uh, i'm going to start by saying that uh, creativity is never an isolated episode you're mm-hmm. always in dialogue with an audience perhaps it's in your mind but even in your mind you're thinking of something and you're already anticipating what people will say how they will react even if they're not there yet. So Mm -hmm. it's always a dialogue and the potential that we were talking about before also depends on the audience and the the people around you, the system around you, the resources around you. So clearly technology is part of that system. And today it's a very, very important mediator, as you say. And the fact that uh, we have uh, platforms for multimedia content with recommendation systems that try to extract sentiment analysis and propose content, certain content and not other, clearly it's a very, very strong filter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a negative side to that. But at the same time, before the internet and before these platforms, very few people had the possibility to really have an audience and only the very successful ones had a large audience. Yeah. Now, today it's possible for anyone to upload content, to try out. And perhaps their pictures, their videos, their content will only be enjoyed by a few tens of people, maybe a hundred people. Mm-hmm. This is a long, so-called long tail business model in which you have a very, very a huge amount and definite amount of very small episodes with very small audiences that would not be possible without this technology. It would be... Really, merely impossible. So yeah. this is the positive side. So from one thing, it's true that we have recommendation systems and they filter the content and they drive uh, interest from very large masses onto certain specific uh, uh, types of contributions. But at the same time, everyone has the possibility to express themselves. And this is something that was not possible before. So plus and minuses.
1: Right. And I suppose, yeah, that that's really, really opens up the potential to a much larger group in the population, which I think is great. But I feel, um, or rather, I want to understand, is there a threshold, or more importantly, is there... Because I, the reason I'm going to ask you this question is, I, I was reading an article a few months back, maybe even a year back, about in music, how pe- people who listen to music, say, who stream music, uh, popular music get comfortable with a certain kind of sound and as a result everyone replicates that sound because they want to be popular and um, not make the listener uncomfortable so my question to you is is there a thing uh, called comfortable creation and a thing called uncomfortable creation or an intolerance to certain kinds of creation?
0: I would say yes. First of all, uh, trends and fashion, has always, they, they have always worked on uh, following somebody who is successful, some style that is successful, in order to, to join on mm-hmm. that in that success. Mm-hmm. So this has always existed, and of course it exists today too. Mm-hmm. But when your creativity is only geared towards following a certain style which has already proven to be successful, I would say that your potential for uh, real surprises, for real originality, is quite small. You're producing incremental uh, pieces of uh, new content if you want, but uh, your potential to disrupt what is happening is very small. It's normal that only a few people have, first of all, the self-esteem to try something which is uh, really different, because you need that. You have to start from your self-belief. Mm-hmm. The fact that uh, creativity is important to you as a person and that you believe in yourself in your ability to do something that is truly different. So there's a, first of all, a personality element. And then you need to take the risk because you don't know how it's going to go. It's like mm-hmm. launching a small enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's like launching a new podcast, uh, The Soapy Row Show. So you have to believe in that, but you don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. So you start the project, you put everything that you have, your all of yourself into the project, but there is no guarantee for success, and yeah. not everyone is ready for that. And then you have to, you know, value estimate the value of something that is truly different from what exists, and that is not a, an easy task. In order for you to be able to do that, you need to have an open mind over alternative futures with a plural. Not a single future, which is the analytical continuation of the present along the trends, along the fashion, along the styles, but multiple alternative futures, some of which will deviate considerably from the present. Mm -hmm. Now, when you have opened up this uh, cone of alternative futures, then the ideas that you put out, you can project them onto these different scenarios and start to see where something that is truly different from what is happening today could be a success, why it could be of interest to people. And uh, so you anticipate what will happen in society, but deviating significantly from just forecasting from the present along the trends. It's not an easy exercise, but a few people always are working for that.
1: Yeah, because I'm trying to put today's scenario into the in in context of, of what we're talking about because you have these ideas today that offend people, you have words that are no longer acceptable. So in this landscape where people are being limited by what is quote unquote acceptable, how does um think so 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 maybe is the creative expression should it be a challenge to the cultural Norm or should it be a reflection of the cultural um, um, situation?
0: Let's say that in any creative process, you have many, many limitations. So the Mm -hmm. creative process is not a free exploration without any boundaries or any limits, but it's always an exercise of moving through with the resources that you have available, moving through a, a landscape with many limits and boundaries so Mm -hmm. you always have that and actually there is research that shows that having boundaries helps creativity without and and not it does not uh, stifle it okay Uh, but let's say language of course language is uh, when you create verbally is the fundamental tool that we have in order to create and uh, i would say that uh, the decision because it's a decision to use uh, what uh, at the certain moment in time is considered to be politically correct or Mm -hmm. not, Yeah, it depends on the kind of effect that you want to have. So Mm -hmm. if you don't use a language which is politically correct, you know that you're going to face criticism and perhaps scandal, and you're going to have people that perhaps they're going to sue you. Mm -hmm. So is that the kind of effect that you are looking for? It would not be me, probably not, but uh, somebody could uh, be looking for that. Yeah. So it's something that you can analyze at first. Clearly, using a language which is politically correct is a limit, but still within those boundaries, you can do an indefinite number of things. So I'm saying that to have a limit will not limit your creativity. A limiting language will not limit your creativity. There is still an indefinite number of ideas that can be put out.
1: Yeah, that's good to hear because you know you kind of hear a lot of the um you know at at least when i listen to podcasts with other comedians they're like oh you can't crack any jokes everyone's just getting so but yeah there is um it's encouraging to hear that it there is a potential for creation and it's not stifling it which is which is good but um when you mentioned this this idea of you know kind of the, the the process of it and you mentioned earlier the The uh, potential creation, the potential uh, conclusion, the 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 the, the concept of that—it got me wondering, right? Because there are, like, from a personal point of view, when you are comfortable and you're you're really sort of in a very sort of safe space, um, versus when you're in a place of flux or you're you're uneasy or you're you're not feeling settled if that's the word um is there a difference because you speak i think about cognitive creation and what happens in the mind so is there a state of being that is more conducive to be creative so we start
0: from the beginning the beginning was uh, 13.7 billion years ago the big bang the start of the universe Mm -hmm. that was not a state of equilibrium It was a very large spark of energy. And that very large spark of energy brought the overall, let's call it system, very far away from equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And that is the condition out of which all of the elements, all of the stars, all of the galaxies, all of the planets were born. We have to do the same thing in our mind. Every time we start a creative episode, we need a small, let's say small, small, big bang in our mind we need an (laughs) excess energy Mm -hmm. you have to get out of the limits of the existing knowledge knowledge is fundamental you need to have that without knowledge you cannot create in any certain domain but knowledge is also a double-sided sword it also becomes a cage so in order to get out how do you get out of the existing knowledge of the shared knowledge you need excess energy. You need that explosion in your mind and uh, excess energy and excess time. You spend more time and energy than the minimum necessary to say things that people will understand immediately, to say things that the people agree with and to remain inside the boundaries of the box. Let's call it the box, okay? Mm-hmm. So in order to, for you to have the potential to generate something which is truly original but also meaningful, You need to have this initial spark, initial drive. We call it drive, which is this excess energy. And therefore, you're far from equilibrium. Even though I want to emphasize this, you respect equilibrium. You respect existing knowledge. You respect the state of the art. So you're not saying everything is wrong. You're saying everything works, more or less. Of course, we have many problems in the world, but Mm -hmm. this is where we are. But still, I believe in alternatives. And there is an alternative world in which we could live in. I want to explore that. In order for you to, to do that, you need to spend much more energy than would be necessary to just give a correct answer. Because correct means by the standards of the actual present cur- culture. Mm-hmm. And you have to spend much more time. Okay? Because once, once you get out of the shared knowledge, you really don't know where to go and it takes time to explore. So it's a dual state of mind with respect to one, which gives uh, immediate correct answers, which is what normally school university teach us to do. You know, you're a brilliant student. If you are fast, if you're correct, or if you want to be creative, you have to do the opposite. You have to be slow and you have to invest energy and you have to challenge everything. It's not something that you can do all the time. It's very time consuming, energy consuming, and you don't have a guarantee for success. So it's a risky activity like that of an entrepreneur. Still, once you find something which is truly original, it's authentic, it's yours, that gives meaning to your life. It gives dignity. It gives distinction. And I think that this will be more and more important today and in the years to come. To be truly creative will become the way in which we give meaning to our lives because the standard activities will be more and more shifted towards another part of artificial labor, let's say. okay, So creativity will become essential to our existence in the future.
1: Which I think is really important to recognize because we have a status quo uh, where it's typical to be... To believe in the idea that you have to check a few boxes to be considered as acceptable or normal or successful, right? Which is, uh, and of course, I'm not painting a broad brushstroke about everyone involved, but it's typically like when I look at India, it's get um, a certain kind of education, get a certain kind of postgraduate, then get a job, and then cr- climb the ladder in that company. And within those teams, you have all these words being thrown around, right? Authenticity, creativity, creative potential, teamwork, all these things which are great if you recognize them for what they are. But it almost sounds like, you know, just saying it because it needs to be said. But um, the, the the risk is completely um passed on or the 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 potential of blame is passed on because you copy everyone when you're sending out an email about a certain idea if it's if it goes well you want to take credit if it goes badly you want to pass it on to someone else in your team so the 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 message that is being pushed uh in in say a corporate setting while these words are being fed to people the team and people who are joining it's almost contradictory in its nature because when the, the The person who takes the risk and falls flat isn't rewarded because they're not given the promotion they're in fact given um you know they they're not given the recognition for taking that chance uh so when you look at that and introduce these new AI systems which are feeding off the existing knowledge that we have in the world today, what kind of scenario are we looking at in 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 the next few years? Okay, these are two topics, I would say,
0: they are connected, but very, very complex. So let's start from the first one you mentioned. Is, uh, I would uh, interpret that as the management of creativity and innovation in a company. How do you manage that? Mm-hmm. How do you create a climate which is favorable to creativity? It allows creativity. And at the same time, it pursues the objectives of the company, which uh, today are still designed towards profit making yeah. profit and so on. So clearly what we say normally when we interact with companies, we say it's a question of balance. You cannot be creative all of the time. That would be crazy. Yeah. So you, cannot, you cannot have people challenging all the concepts, all the practices of the company, all of the products in your portfolio and the market approaches and the supply chain all of the time. It would not make sense. So the question is, how much should you invest in creativity in a company? There is not a single answer. It depends on many aspects, on the kind of market that you're in, the kind of products that you produce, the situation, the geopolitical situation. But let's say what we suggest normally it's a percentage that goes from 5 to 20% of your resources. Mm-hmm. So very, very creative companies should invest 20% of the resources in terms of time, that means one day per week. Mm-hmm. that is a huge it's a huge investment. yeah. Some companies claim that that their employees one day per week, they can do anything that is not accountable. They can work on any project they want. Mm-hmm. But we say that once you understand the process, once you have a methodology, like for example, the ones that we teach, you don't need that much. you don't need that investment so large. Five percent means two hours per week. So if you allow people 2 hours per week to work in a totally different way, it's a dual way with respect to what they normally do, that is already plenty if they know what to do. But what is uh, what is what are the conditions that you need to create in order for this process to live and continue and not die immediately? Yeah. If you get punished for an idea that deviates from the trends and after some times and after some investment turns out not to be successful. If you punish that, the process is going to end immediately.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: People will understand that immediately and they will not be creative anymore. So this is very delicate, but you need to create a climate which is fearless. There should be no fear of failure. You should not call it failure. You should call it prototyping, agile development, iterative processing. So you need to allow fast prototypes of your ideas to come out, being tried inside the company, outside of the company with possible customers and then getting feedback and then adjusting right away and iterating that process in a fast way. But you need to allow failure, I mean, uh, ideas that are not immediate success and without any punishment. So It's a very, very important change in terms of climate. As you say, now today we have these new tools for uh, generating text, generating images. So generative AI has now jumped into the scene very quickly. And um, the first thing to say is that this train is going at a super high speed. Every few days we see a new tool. It's very difficult for any human to remain on board this train and not fall from this train. So it's a train that will not be stopped. And the danger is not that machines will overtake humanity. I don't think that is a real danger, at least for now. But the real danger is the people that know how to use AI tools and the people that produce AI tools and control them, as opposed to those that are still thinking about it they are dubious about it, or they don't know anything about it because, you know, not everyone is in inside that uh, that kind of development. Then that is the real gap. That is the real. Future. So there will be, in a few years now, not I'm not thinking about a decay, but in a few years, a complete imbalance between those that are able and are using AI tools and those that are not. And I say this with you know, a point of sadness because we have been teaching creativity for many years now. And uh, one thing that was important in our courses was to see the eyes sparkle when people found that they could be creative with their Mm. own, you know, human brain. Yeah. And now we will have to change that approach and introduce also AI, the possibility to use AI tools. And I'm sure that uh, the spark will not be as important as it was before, but there is no turning back. So we have to accept that. We have to accept the fact that uh, our creativity will be aided by the use of these tools. So the point is, what is left for the human side if we let, for example, ChatGPT generate text? The fact is that any of these algorithms generates uh, or predicts, I gen- generates by predicting the next word Text, but they have no conscience of what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. There is no real knowledge. There is no real appreciation. So everything that it comes out must be filtered by us. Mm. We are the ones that see the value of what these tools put out. And we should be the ones that filter that output, construct on that output, and not let that output be taken as an oracle, okay? You cannot take that as an oracle. Okay. It's, in, it's inaccurate, contains mistakes, it's an inspiration, and you have to be an active part of the process. So now the challenge is how to train people to be active parts of the processes when inside of this process, we also use these tools. I think that this is the next challenge for us that are teaching creativity, and uh but i don't think uh it's possible to you know put our heads in the sand and think that these these things are not happening uh if if, if it were for me i would prefer to use just natural creativity only human but uh, but now we have this challenge in front of us and i think we have to take it
1: it's like athletes are who back in the day were just athletes for their natural skill but now it's all these performance enhancing Steroids, and you have super athletes, right? So it's kind of what kind of sport do you want? Do you want a person running in six seconds, or you want a person just running with their natural ability? Yeah,
0: yeah. So. Uh, or uh, you could think of, I uh, know, people that were uh, riding horses in the eighteen hundred, and then driving cars in the nineteen hundred. Clearly, everyone in the nineteen hundred was going much faster th- with cars as opposed to horses. Mm -hmm. But, of course, everybody forgot how to ride a horse. Now it's uh, only a few people know how to ride a horse. We forgot Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. everyone could ride a horse in the 1800s. So some things we will forget, some things we will uh, unlearn to do. But all in all, all the population will be much faster in producing content. The important thing is to remain in charge of the process, to remain in control. So the main goal of future education is the control of AI. This is the goal of future education. How to control AI and not to be controlled not by AI but the people that have the handle on that.
1: Interesting because it sounds like the the whole process of creation is going through an evolutionary phase right now with new elements being introduced and of course as you said it's the car is an example. The computer was uh, in the 90s. The smartphone, and now, of course, these things. Um, but clearly, these kinds of um, additions in the creative uh, process of creative evolution, it affects our creative behavior. Um, I, I, you know, I remember this person. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. His name is Sir Ken Robinson. He was an educator, and he had a very interesting line. He said, "Our education systems are great at educating the creativity out of children." And it really stuck with me because I was I was quite fascinated with the way he spoke about the topics, which were close to him, which was in the space of education. So when you look at this process um, of the, the the introduction of AI models in uh, in the process of uh, creativity, how will it impact our behavior towards creativity, and how will it impact the 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 people who are in, entering the systems that educate um, them like with, from children to young adults uh, because clearly as you said it's a very fast uh, train and many of the institutions aren't even up to date with say a lot of the digital stuff and now it's already le- you know leapfrogged into ai so what is what do we have in store on that front
0: Okay, so Sir Ken Robinson his uh, his line was really that schools kill creativity not really foster it but uh, he was trying he was trying to
1: kill create change,
0: exactly yeah. right to change that through ideas on how to preserve individualities which is part also of your mission as a roll show so to show that everyone is different everyone has different characteristics and different talents and try to cultivate those instead of, and homogeneous education, which is the same for everyone at the same age, mm-hmm. and that does not tolerate, tolerate any deviation from that. Mm-hmm. So, how does you're saying, you're asking, how does uh, AI now enter into the education world and what should we do? Given the fact that uh, school has never been a fast system, it's always mm-hmm. been very traditional, it's very difficult to change things. Of course, with some exception, because there are always exceptions. But in general, the bulk of the education system is kind of slow moving. Mm -hmm. But now the world is moving very fast. So first of all, we will feel a tension between what happens in a school and what happens outside. And clearly the first reactions will be in a negative sense. So prohibit the use of generative AI, prohibit this, prohibit that. And I think that this probably will not last for long because mm-hmm. uh, it would be too easy for uh, the students to avoid that, that uh, barrier and that limit, which also gives me the possibility to say that uh, one of the problems that we have is the fact that the younger generations will be much faster in understanding and learning the use of these new tools than the older generations yeah. So there's this paradox that the people that are able to use the best tools in society will not be the people with more experience, but the people with less experience. And this has never been true before in history. Now, this experience is important because it gives you hopefully it gives you wisdom. Mm-hmm. And we need wisdom. It's not just a matter of being able to use a tool and being fast at learning because you also need to put a purpose on that. Yeah. And that will still remain with the older people. But if the older people, which could be wise and give, giving wise advice, they are out of the system because they don't understand it. They don't know how to use it. Yeah. It happens already today with many social networks. There are many social networks that People above 30 have never, never seen. I have never seen many social networks that I know younger generations use every day. I'm totally out of those worlds. So even though perhaps I could be able to give some advice, Mm -hmm. I have no possibility of doing that. And this is a paradox, if you want, and it's a very critical one that we will have to address the fact that the younger generations will know much more about these new technologies than the older generation will. But having said that, I think that uh, looking ahead, not too far, but let's say 10, 15 years, we will have to let these tools be part of education, enter the school. And as I said, the objective of uh, the teachers and educators and the school in general, will have to be how to integrate these tools into learning in a way in which we control what we're doing, we control the outcome of these tools, and we're not just passive in using them just to get rid of whatever the task is that we have to do, the homework that we have to do. And this will not be easy because it will be very, very tempting to be lazy Mm -hmm. So the the danger is laziness of our minds, because we can, you know, delegate many things that uh, they they used to be only our own court, but now they can be done through AI tools. So laziness will be the number one enemy, and the way in which we can remain active, that is one very, very important competence or uh, teaching goal. I think that one thing that uh, might be surprising, I don't know, this is just my imagination, but uh, one topic in school, university could be like uh, a gym for the mind. When we go in the gym, we exercise our bodies in ways that uh, are necessary because we have so many things to help us every day, like the car, like, uh, you know, we sit all day, so we don't exercise our body. So we need to go in a place, a specific place and time in order to exercise our body. We will need something similar for the mind. Yeah. Because there will be a danger for laziness. And therefore, exercising the mind as if you didn't have AI tools, for example. Mm. So natural gyms for the natural mind. This is a new business I'm launching this idea right now in real time. That's the awesome! New business of the future. You heard it first the, here on the Soapy Rao show. The <laughs> gym for the natural mind. This <laughs> will become a very important business in 2030,
1: 35. No, it's so essential, right? I, I, I was in fact on one of the recent episodes. I was, you know, I, I was talking about this. If you, you know, we we hear of so many people now having mental health issues and. Uh, when you look at the spiritual side of the spiritual texts or the spiritual teachings about looking within and spending time with yourself and your thoughts and your mind using various tools from meditation to breathing to breath work to exercises um, in that space. Yes, of course, it is a path to spiritual realization, but more urgently, it's also necessary to face this rapidly uh You know this this world that's rapidly throwing information at you, changing, is keeping you constantly imbalanced and is pulling you in all directions. And um, and before in a a blink of an eye, there's another thing which has come into the picture. So I yeah, I find it really, in some way, fascinating what we've achieved as with, with our human potential, but also the disparity where the few who have created are running away with it when the ma- the masses are almost being manipulated by it and are losing control of their own thoughts and their own ability to think and feel and, um, you know, have any sense of what their emotional situation is. And now that, that scares me a little bit because it is, you know, sounds like a recipe for a very, very difficult uh, future in our society with a lot of people at unrest, emotional unrest, mental unrest. And... Um, Yeah, I don't have a question. I just was, you know, thinking about what I was was really um, understanding. I agree
0: with you. I agree with you. These tools, we have talked about the bright side of these tools, but there's a dark side. And the darkest side is using these tools in order to generate opinions, diffuse opinions, control opinions, control decisions, control lifestyles, and we know... It can be done because there are already countries that are moving in this direction. And I don't know if you know, but uh, in Europe, there's a so-called AI Act, which is, <clears throat> uh, has defined four levels of danger related to AI tools. And the, the highest level of dangers is really what you were talking about, the control of a population through AI tools. So we know it can be done. And therefore, we're going to forbid that. But that does not mean that it will not happen at all. So to have these spaces of your own, which are completely natural, and you're detached by technology, and perhaps you meditate, or perhaps you do creativity exercises, but only with your brain, this will become more and more important. We will need that. It will be very precious, I think. And... um yeah. So we have to think about that because it's the equivalent as yeah, what happened with other industrial revolutions in the past. Some things came out. It made some activities much easier with much less fatigue than before. And as a consequence of, of that, we had to substitute what we were doing before with something which is becomes like a gym, like an exercise. So we will need exercises for the mind. They will be cognitive, they might be emotional, Emotional. they might be spiritual, as you were saying. So these things will become more and more important.
1: You, know, I, I want to ask you about this world, which I'm not very familiar with, but I don't know what your take on it is. When you look at the world of gaming, video gaming, and virtual reality and augmented reality, and if you take it one step further to what, Mark Zuckerberg projects with Meta and that alternate reality which he and the entire team is, are trying to create. Um, how does that reality or a perceived reality or a changing reality affect um, our creative potential or our ability to create within that space?
0: This is a very interesting research topic creativity in virtual worlds. Mm-hmm. And we have already there are already some results about that. several results, I would say. Mm-hmm. So first of all, the environment, the virtual environment that you can build influences the way you think, because the way we think is embedded in the environment, even if it's virtual. So we are in a virtual environment. Let's say it's a very dark a dungeon and your creativity becomes very, very limited. Or you change your virtual environment, you go onto a tropical island, it's sunshine everywhere, and you do the same exercise and your performance improves. Mm. So we're able to influence our creativity by designing virtual environments. That's number one. Number two, you could be in that environment as an avatar. Yeah. And the way the avatar looks and the way the avatar is dressed again influences your performance so suppose you're trying to be creative as a scientist and you dress like a hippie or you dress like a doctor and your performance changes when you're dressed in an avatar like a doctor in scientific creativity your performance improves Mm. so all these things exist all these effects are true they might be larger or smaller depending on the conditions and clearly the more the virtual environment is uh, immersive so if you're using goggles and you're actually inside the the stronger the transformative effect it can have mm. so in the future I think we will see more and more of that we will see creative processes being carried out in virtual environments for sure and as we just said before It will also be important to do exercises in the natural world, so not forget the natural world. But for sure, there will be an increment and a tendency of uh, creating ideas in virtual environments. Gaming is a very, very important study case. There are many, many games now in the metaverse that allow you to create your own variations of the game to create your own uh, avatars, to create the ending of the game, to create the rules of the game. So creativity associated to video games in met- in the metaverse is already a reality. Hmm. And millions, tens of millions of young people get on those platforms every day. I don't, so I'm out of that world, <laughs> but yeah. I know it exists and I know there's a lot of creativity going on in there. One question could be, who appreciates that? Who is going to enjoy that creativity? Only the person in this virtual world, isolated? Only that group? Or will there be an audience? I'm afraid that it will be very, very fragmented. So there will be no general audience, but very, very small group. So there's a danger of isolation, even though you'll be connected to the entire world, virtually connected to the entire world, and still there will be a danger of isolation. So the psychology, the clinical psychology of people that are living more and more in virtual worlds will become another very important topic for the future.
1: You mentioned when we spoke about AI and we spoke about even now when you spoke about the the, the virtual reality, you, you mentioned a very interesting thing because you said the problem might be is when the few who can create with AI um, overtake the the, the the other group that cannot create with AI. And even now you mentioned the fragmentation of groups. Um, I, I, I want to understand, is it fair? Because you said up top, we spoke about... The, 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 the benefits of these multimedia platforms giving a chance for many more people to create as opposed to just a few with access. Is it healthy, or maybe not healthy is not the right word, but can every human being create impactful creations?
0: Fundamental question. Can everyone be creative or is it only a talent for the few? And since we teach creativity clearly, our, uh, our mission is to to bring up everyone. So to, if you have a potential which is latent, which is uh, underneath the surface, we want to bring that out. And so we believe, firmly believe that everyone can be creative, which does not mean that we are all the same. Yeah, Everyone will be creative at a different level, in different domains, with different talents, but everyone can be creative. So everyone can improve. Mm -hmm. Also, we have a theory. We call it the dynamic universal creativity process through which we study creativity even outside of the human species. We talk about creativity in animals. We study creativity in plants. Mm. We can study creativity in amoebas. And we can start study the creative evolution of the universe. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to talk about that. But just to say that... uh, Creativity for us is a fundamental principle at the basis of the entire universe, not only the human species. But coming back to the human species and um, believing in the fact that everyone has a potential for being creative, which means essentially challenging what you already know by using what you already know. It's kind of a self-referencing process in which you gain knowledge, and then use that knowledge to go beyond that. That is the fundamental process for everyone. And everyone can engage in that. Of course, it's a risky business. It can lead to frustration, does not, not have any guarantee for success. So all of these elements have to be taught as a form of warning, because if you leave everything to the natural talent, only a few people will be ready for that. Only a few people will uh, risk their reputation, risk their talent, and uh, risk generated ideas that will be faced with criticism. So only a few people that perhaps are at the margin of society are able to take that challenge. But if you teach the principles and you explain the very simple principles which are at the basis of the process and the fact that when you get out of, of what everybody expects from you, the reactions at first will always be negative. So you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready to see the negative points of your own ideas and be able to persuade other people that uh, beyond those negative points, there are also positive points that perhaps overcome the negatives. So there are many, many things that we can teach, many, many aspects of the creative process that can be understood and then developed. And you can enjoy more and more being creative. And it always be, will be a small portion of your life because if you are creative all of the time, you cannot not even dress up. You cannot cross the road. You cannot challenge everything. So yeah. most of the reality you have to accept as it is. But then your expression and your distinction and your happiness in the future will depend on that small investment in going beyond that and expressing your own potential and being yourself
1: beautiful you mentioned sorry i have one question for you which is we mentioned technology but i want to understand the conversation if you have an opinion on this is the natural enhancing substances for creativity because now there's a lot of talk about mushrooms psychedelics and a lot of people say this is our ancient past catching up with us when you either look at ayahuasca or you look at um, I don't know the technical names for many others, but um, is that something which is being re um, recognized again or being embraced by a lot of human beings?
0: I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know how many people do that. I just want to say that it works, but mm. it's not necessary. Right. So in order to be very creative, to really go out very far from what everybody thinks, you do not need any substances. What is the principle? The principle is that of inspiration, Mm -hmm. of generating a state of mind that does not have any a priori meaning. And clearly, if you take any of these substances, I don't know because I've never tried, Mm -hmm. but I guess that the effect is that, to create a state of mind which is totally outrageous, which is very far from what you would normally think. The thing is that we don't need substances to create those states of mind. We have many rational ways, controlled ways, conscious ways of producing these states of mind through what we call inventive principles. They're called inventive principles, but they can be used not only in technology, they can be used in the science, arts, business, so any, in any field in which you want to be creative. You can use these principles to create a state of mind, which really is mysterious, which really is all awesome, which really surprises you and where you don't know where to go. And then the generation of ideas essentially is an a posteriori interpretation of that state of mind to generate something that you bring it back to reality, to generate something that is effective, that is meaningful, it has value. So if you take a substance, let's say you don't learn about all the methodologies, but instead of doing that, you remain a normal person that does not buy or take any substances. You just use methodologies because you understood what the process is and what the methodologies are. And then in the end, the end results, I'm saying that probably have the same kind of uh, potential disruptiveness, but they have a much higher guarantee for value. Of course, because you're still rational all of the time throughout Mm -hmm. the process. So you never lose touch with the reality, even though you're going far away from reality. We say it's an orbit. Mm -hmm. You don't just go out of the box. You orbit out of the box and then you come back to the reality. Mm -hmm. And in order to launch that orbit, you do not need any substances.
1: Okay. I'm sure a lot of people are listening going, damn it, I was just hoping for the green light. (laughs) Um, Giovanni you teach creativity at your institute um, and you have helped so many people discover their potential you've educated people about these methodologies over your years of experience what are a couple of values or skills that you may leave people with today that might help them navigate the world we're heading into
0: so let's say that uh, the first thing is to to be open, openness to experience, which is a personality trait, but it's something that you can also decide to have. So, curiosity, opening up to different disciplines. So, multidisciplinarity, we talk about that, but it should not be a team which is multidisciplinary, but every individual should open up their minds to different disciplines and be interested in different topics. Because today, one of the positive aspects of today's technologies is that we have everything at our fingertips. So anything that we're interested in, we can open up, learn, read, listen, watch videos, listen to podcasts on the Soapy Road show (laughs) and learn. And so the first thing to do is open up your mind and learn everything that you're curious about. It should not be tedious. So keep your curiosity up and have fun, have fun in learning different things, many different things. Once you have all these ingredients, so ideas from many disciplines, the next step to be creative is to build links between ideas, concepts, things that apparently have no links, they're very far away. And it's always possible. The mystery and the surprise is that it's always possible to link any two items. Our minds have that ability. And once you do that, there's an indefinite number of ideas that you can generate. So these are the two simple exercises that I would suggest. Opening up your mind and building strange associations.
1: That sounds brilliant. I thought I was mad. But when you just told me what you just did, I said what you just said. I'm like, yeah, because I have some weird thoughts on this podcast before I bring on the guest. And I'm glad that um, I'm not losing it. (laughs) (laughs) Gianni, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for sharing the ideas that are so key to helping us as a collective going forward. Uh, Thank you for all the great work you're doing. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Sandeep, it was a
0: pleasure and uh, goodbye to everyone. Thank you.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode.